free kick. Colaccini nearly got ahead on it. Chiotto, great strike! Oh! It's an absolutely fantastic goal! He bounces on the crossbar and into the net! Would you believe it? Dibble Carigi! Balotelli, Aguero! Oh boy! DeMartin downloads back in studio, boys. Hey, that uh, that intro had a Newcastle goal in it. That's weird. I'm not really sure what those are anymore. I haven't that seen one of those happens. in a few months. Oh, my okay. gosh. Ian Gilmore, Luca Maloney, Adam Baker. Luca's studio debut on the Martin Download. We're back on Facebook Live, back in the studio, taking all of the health precautions. Oh, guys, it feels good. It just feels good to be back. Yeah, it feels great. No more connectivity issues. We don't have to lose you halfway through. <laughs> Asking a question, you guys don't hear the second half of it because I'm muted or my internet is bad. Oh, it just feels good. A lot to get to today. A lot to get to. Men's schedule for MSU is out. Women's schedule for MSU is out. Frank Lampard's gone. Liverpool are frauds. Newcastle's getting relegated. FA Cup. <laughs> what else? What else? There is a lot going on in this world. Luca is is currently um, on the edge of his seat watching Inter and in, in Milan right now. I am sweating watching so, this game. So you know, if I ask him a question, he doesn't respond. That's why we, we can't him, we can't fault him. If we hear him scream mid podcast, <laughs> someone scored. Um, and uh, just a side note: Gilmore has started betting. We're currently. Uh, I got to keep an eye on the. Uh, oh, no, the, not the troubles again. Yeah. Seeds of degeneracy have finally been planted. Yeah, that's true. It's, uh, I have to uh, I have to keep an eye on the the Bournemouth Crawley Town game today because I need it to go over three goals total to hit a parlay. Otherwise, I got zero money left. I've I've broke even. I had a parlay hit this week that was sixty bucks and it was massive. It's the only reason I'm not in the in the red right now. Well, so far you're looking good here. So- yeah, we're all right. So- we're all right. Soccer betting has to be the worst sport to do. The amount of times I'll see a spread ruined by ninetieth minute penalty. Oh, the other thing too is like I'm always too invested in those. The ones I've I've had success on is random NCAA basketball games that I know nothing about. Oh, I know. A Dortmund game has to be a stay away for me. Yeah, no, because then you have, you know, you have different rooting interests. It's not just them to win. Or they lose and they lose my money. It's just worst possible scenario. Double whammy. We'll get to Dortmund in a bit, Adam's team. First, MSU men's schedule is out. Came out last week. They're playing 10 games, I think in the space of 48 days, something like that. A lot of games and not a lot of time. They've got five home, five away. Um, and so the, the way they, they did it in the Big Ten is they split up nine teams into three different pods. Michigan State's pod uh, includes Michigan and Ohio State. So they're going to play those two teams twice each. The rest of them they're going to play once, three games away, three games at home. And let's just dive right into it, Adam. I mean, Rutgers first at home. One of only their three wins last year um, in Piscataway. Oluogan Wally scored in his, his home state. That's one that I think you have to check off and say, yes, they're going to be rusty, but I think you got to expect a win there. Yeah, it's a favorable way to start. It's the same win they had to open up the conference last season, and if they're going to if they're gonna get off to a good start, it's a favorable opportunity, especially with the game that follows. Because it's Michigan. It's right Michigan. after that, at Michigan. They did that twice last year. Uh, once in the Big Ten tournament quarterfinal, once in the regular season, they were they looked good in the Big Ten tournament quarterfinal. They did one of their better performances of the season. It was when we saw the flash of Olu of the player he can be, the elite player he can be. When, when he either scored, I think he scored or scored or assisted. It was, I think it was, it was his, the golden first touch and assist. Yes, Fairies, yes, that's what it was. Johnny scored. 
a great, great ground they're, they're playing over there at Michigan, but they probably won't play there because it'll probably be inside. But that one is a tough one to, to you know, not right off the bat, but your second game, that's a tough one. Who was the uh, magic left foot on Michigan that took over that Jack game? Hallahan. And he's uh, he was to the draft, wasn't he? Yeah, he gone. Okay. And same with uh, UFO. Fruk Osman's gone too. Yeah, I haven't seen exactly how their squad's supposed to be shaping up this season. They they're gonna be they're gonna be up there. Mm-hmm. They always are. Michigan always has a good team. Um, you know, one team that was up there last year, but maybe not back there again, depending on you know who they're bringing back and just how they're doing. Penn State game number three, arguably Michigan State's worst loss of the season, three nil at home on Big Ten Network, and they were never in it. They really weren't. So that that one away from home as well. Another maybe tough one. Yeah, that definitely looked like the biggest mismatch of the season last year. I think every other loss, Michigan State was in it for a while. That one, just again, from the off, you kind of expected Penn State to take it. I think it was 1-0 at half. They got the other two in the second, or it was backwards, but just the whole way through, you could tell. So it's two revenge games in a row. Again, this one flipping turf, going over to Penn State this time. And then fourth, Ohio State at home. Uh, that's the same matchup it was last season. Their best win of the season, uh, albeit they only had three, but 3-1 against Ohio State. Michael Watungu scored against them like he loved to do. He's gone now. Um, and, you know, that I believe that was, that was kind of George's breakout game where he scored early into the second half, uh, a really good finish, and then didn't see too much from him the rest of the season in terms of goals. But um, that's another team that you think you could probably get a win against at home. They've got Rutgers to start off. Second game at home is Ohio State. Yeah, and if if those two road games get away from them, it's going to be a crucial game to keep them level going into the mid-stretch of the season. And then right after that, another one that you probably chalk down is, is one you can definitely win, Northwestern at home. Last season, uh, an 89th-minute winner for Northwestern on the road led to a, a 1-0 loss for Michigan State. But um, Northwestern coming into town, maybe a W. Yeah, double home stint. You got a... Well, again, we don't we don't know if they're going to be at DeMartin this year or indoor, but those home games, home crowd or not, like you're going to really need to look at those for some early wins. Yeah, because uh, then you get into a tough stretch, yeah, yeah. a really tough stretch. Two games away, back-to-back to Indiana and Maryland. It's the two teams that always seem to be at the top of the conference, even though I think Maryland was the fifth seed last year, but you obviously you still saw them in the semifinal against... Did they have Michigan, or did Michigan have... Was it Michigan versus Maryland in the semifinal? Yeah, I think it was. And And then Maryland met Indiana. Okay, yeah. So, no, the perennial two best teams in the conference, playing them back-to-back, both away. It's a tough run, and it's it's a pivotal point of the season. Especially because you want to go into that game with at least a couple wins on your hand. Yeah. Because not that they don't expect to win those games. Those are going to be the toughest one of the season. Interesting with with Indiana's MSU. That was their last game of the year last year. They played it at home. Indiana was the best team in the conference, but they still needed a win on the last day to win the league. And the only way they got it was one nil on a PK. MSU looked good. They sat in, defended when they needed to, and played well. A little bit of a moral victory to end the season. Maybe they, you know, it's been a while since we've, you know, they've played. But try to ride off of that. Some of the guys will will have that experience. I, I mean. That's got to help them a little bit, right? Having that experience against Indiana and knowing you can hang with them. Yeah, and I think especially when that game was still scoreless. You saw Michigan State really getting into it. Had had nice build-up play. Didn't quite get the full opportunities off. 
think the penalty took a little bit of momentum out of them. I think it was right towards the end of the first half, and it was a little tougher in the second, but it was one of their better performances throughout last year's conference play. And another good performance was against Maryland. And, you know, it's funny to say that the two best teams in the conference was were two of their better performances. Uh, a 1-1 draw after 90 minutes. They didn't play overtime uh, because it was a monsoon and the pitch was waterlogged. Michael Pimlot went through the middle and scored a goal, not something he does very often. But, uh, you know, another good Maryland side. They're bringing in guys that have talent. That's going to be just an, another uh, match where it's going to be a, a struggle to to get a result. Yeah, and... I'd be interested to see this one again. Obviously, the rainy conditions heavily impacted that one. So, just and, and I, I mean, who knows what the, what the snow is going to be like in March and if it's indoor or outdoor, but getting a chance to see that matchup played on a little bit better turf will definitely be a one to see. And then right after that, you get two home games once again. You see Michigan at home for the first time since 2008, uh, and then Wisconsin at home. Of course, Michigan, the last time they played them at home, a 1-1 draw, Jack Beck broke out and we thought it would be the start of something didn't necessarily materialize into anything in the second year that freshman year for Jack Beck was very good and it was centered around that goal against Michigan yeah and I think maybe not a breakout year last year but we saw promising signs throughout yeah. he was one of the regulars in the side saw it in the middle it'll be again you second year in a row they get Michigan twice we know it didn't go well for them last year seeing how and obviously seeing how if they can depending on how the first game goes, even the series completely or just get revenge on <laughs> get revenge on the first game. Kind of lost where I was going there. In Wisconsin, that was uh, another one of their three wins last season. Uh, it was a tough one. Overtime, Michael Miller scoring straight from the corner three minutes in to win that one. We get Wisconsin uh, at home in Michigan State. Remember um, 2018 uh, when they were ranked and were the best team on campus in the fall. I believe they were 9-0. And top 10 in the country, Wisconsin, was unranked, only had two or three wins, came in uh, and ruined that that uh, undefeated season to that point. So they're a dangerous team as well. Yeah, but coming off the run of Indiana, Maryland, and Michigan, if that goes poorly, you're going to look for a quick rebound coming out of it. Coming home, Wisconsin, it's a good opportunity to. Again, we don't know how they'll be looking by this point in the season, but right. it's a f- coming off that run, I guess any matchup is favorable. Yeah, and you hope your form just isn't, you know, you hope it's good enough that you can get something out of that Wisconsin game. And they finished at Ohio State. Last time they played there, Michael Watungu scored like he only does against teams that wear red, I think. Uh, Giuseppe Baroni scored a goal uh, as well. So looking at this schedule, you see 10 games. We have no idea what this MSU team is going to look like. We know they want to have Giuseppe Baroni. And Ala Algahim is also out for the season. But they have some exciting pieces. They have a lot of freshmen we haven't seen. If, you're, if you had to predict how many wins they get, where they finish in the table, what would you say? Minim- uh, probably around six. I think they flipped those close losses they had last year into wins. It would be... And then it just if you can flip uh, Indiana, Maryland, and one of the Michigan games into a win, you're looking at a seven-win, eight-win season. I see that as well. I think uh, three wins in your pod, I think, would be massive. You know, three against, you know, in the the two games each against Ohio State and Michigan. And if you can get three outside, too, um, it's hard to see him beat in Indiana and Maryland. It really is. It's kind of looking at flipping those Northwest, flipping the Northwestern loss and getting Wisconsin and Rutgers again. I think those are kind of the must wins. Every time in his career, too, that he hasn't had a great season. 
Damon Renson comes back the next year and shows up. They've made the tournament each year uh, after his, I think, two worst seasons. And actually, I think last year was the first time he was ever under 500. Obviously, not as many chances to get in the tournament this year because it is smaller. I think it's instead of 48, it's 32. So it's going to be tough to get in there. I'm excited, though, just to see this MSU team again. And I think last year they expected to have Baroni. He gets injured and yep. he never really comes back. This year, they why you would have rather had him. You could prepare for not having him. Yeah, unfortunately, Al Jaheim's still not back either. But like they're not midseason absences anymore. They had the preseason, well, not preseason games, but amongst themselves to prepare for the absences, figure out the offense. A bunch of young players last year. They're all more experienced. They all they've all experienced getting their first goals or assists on the th- season. They know how to get it. Just seeing how they can build on it this year. And I think having. So much more time with the freshmen that came in last year that we haven't seen yet. Instead of two weeks like they usually get in August, I think that's massive as well. Less than a month until MSU men's soccer gets back into action. That's the same for MSU women's soccer as well. Not a great season last year. Luca, our resident women's soccer export expert, finished 14th out of 14 teams in the Big Ten. After starting so well, I think what they were, they what, won like seven of their yeah. first... Eight games or something yeah, like their that. Pre- their preseason games, they did start on. A, they were on a roll. They were winning. And then in you the, hit Big the, Ten. Big Ten, it got difficult. They ended one nine and one. It right, was not good. But again, there are a lot of new players on this team. I'm very excited to go watch them again. I mean, this this was a great team because they only had one game where they really fell off the rails, and it was against Penn State last year. Mm. Apart from that, every other win has been the two nil, three nil, one two, two one, three two. It's been um, they play very well and they keep up with teams at times. Sometimes they lose that little bit of confidence and they lose that pace. There was but the uh, unfortunate Iowa three nil game. Me and Gilmore were on the call for BTN. Yeah, I can never forget that one. But you're right, Luke. I mean, Michigan was ranked when they lost three two to them. Rutgers Michigan, was ranked. That, when they that, lost was, that was my them. favorite game to watch. That, last well, year. I remember that, that being down great, on the pitch great, for that one. That was it was it was game. awesome. Great game to watch. It was thriller till right to the last minute. And you look down the list, 1-0 loss, 0-0 draw, 3-2 loss. Obviously, the Penn State one was the one blemish you mentioned, 3-2. They won against Purdue. That was their only win, 2-0. And then 2-1 loss, 2-1 loss, 1-0 loss. They're close. They're close. close. And Saxon Ewitt, too, he has a young team. He's got young players on there, and they're just getting better. They're getting better every day. And with incoming freshmen and with still your core players that are still there, you got Paige Weber, Gio Wahlberg. Cameron Evans, Bria Schoenberg, these these girls are going to go out there and give more experience because they were the star performers last season, and they're, they were still young. You're talking about a junior freshman and a couple sophomores. And this Michigan State team, uh, Gia Wahlberg was, was really exciting to watch last year, especially when she caught fire at the beginning of the season. There's a couple teams they, they didn't play last year, Nebraska and Purdue. Or, no, excuse me, Nebraska and Indiana. Indiana game got postponed. Nebraska was just never on the schedule. Uh, two teams that finished middle of the table uh, in Michigan State, again, finished dead last. But there's, again, it was so close, a lot of the losses, and there's a lot of room for improvement. As you look down this 11-game schedule, that will take place over 46 days, does that play a factor into you know, who, who Saxon is starting, who he's got to rotate through, and, and what they can produce because of that? Yeah, he's got a deep roster, obviously. They're playing a lot of road games, a lot of them within a three-, four-day span. Yeah. And like you said, you got 11 games in 46 days. It's a lot of soccer, and you're going to have to watch out for injuries. Injuries were a problem at the end of last yep. season. Yeah, you have to keep the player. You have to keep the players fit. And again, I think 
with a bit there's a big road trip in the middle right there starting yeah. March 4th on Rutgers <laughs> going all the way to Purdue March 21st five that, games five, in that, a row that's a five game road trip on that's, the road that's that that can't be fun you know in the winter too which is an interesting part of it that we haven't seen before in the winter and we're still debating what where's where's the venue going to be for this season at home right so we're not really every game's going to be almost a road trip really for this team since DeMartin is a big is a possibility is a no yeah Right, I mean, Damon Rensing said that they are looking, the men's team at least, and I would assume the women would be playing in the same spot, but Lansing Catholic as one place um, that they're trying to get, um, I don't know if it's clearance for or whatever process they have to go through, uh, but then also the Legacy Center in Brighton is indoor, so uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to see them play outdoor. As cold as it would be covering them, I'd like to see them play outdoor. But So, Luca, getting back to the women, it, it, look, 11 games, um, the road stretch is tough. The teams they play in the road stretch is tough. Rutgers finished second. Penn State finished fourth. Michigan tied for second. Yeah, and Michigan went on deep in the NCAA tournament, losing to North Carolina, which ended up losing in the final. Yeah, and North so, Carolina is a blue blood of women's soccer as that's, well. That's a tough team right there. As you look down this slate, what do you think is a realistic expectation, and what do you think would be uh, you know, a success this season? Success, I would think a minimum of four wins would, would be would be a much better improvement than last season. I think with the team they have and the roster and the younger players that they can go out there and, and give a show, I think it's very doable. New players in every position, goal scorers too. So we have the strength of Gia Wahlberg, who banged nine goals last season. I think she is tipped for, a, for an even better season this year, and if she has that same core of players around her, She's going to be unstoppable, and you're looking to win at least some games. If the defense can't help you, that offense is going to be rocking. Yeah. Okay. There is your MSU soccer roundup. We haven't done that in so long. It has been, what, a year and a half? It's felt like forever. Jeez. Especially with our late clearance last season. Yeah. And get the right, to get the podcast rolling. Did, what, six pilot episodes? I forgot to record half of them. Almost had that a little slip at the beginning here. I went 16 seconds in and forgot I wasn't recording. Hey, but we're on. We're going. Okay, moving on. Big news out of yesterday. Frank Lampard out at Chelsea. Moving on from him after, what, a year and a half? 18 months? Yeah. Roman Abramovich, not a patient guy. He has 18 months as a manager at Chelsea. He's had two and a half years as a manager in total. Yeah. At Derby. Let's, Let's not forget, Frank Lampard... Came into this team, had a transfer ban, had to use a lot of the youth players, finished fourth in his first season, and won manager of the year. Now we're, we're halfway into a season where teams can't win three games in a row. It is, it is so up and down. They're only five points out of fourth place, and they can't. I, I, was, I was really surprised by this yesterday. Not necessarily that it came. Uh, you know, I, I didn't expect it, but it is Chelsea, and they rotate managers like crazy. If you didn't win a title and you're Mourinho, you're gone, right? So maybe it is the right move. And Thomas Tuchel coming in, a good manager, a very good manager. So, but, you know, he's coming in the middle of the season. And he, he still doesn't have, you know, we still don't know what the best team is at Chelsea. We still don't know who the best starting 11 is. I, I just, I mean, what are you, your, Luca, your thoughts on Lampard going? Because well, I don't understand it personally. Well, you know what they say with, with everything. It's more money, more problems. They got more money this year, and that now they have more problems. I think Frank Lampard has had half a year to figure out what his best team is, and with or without injuries, he didn't figure that out. 
And this simply patient patience is not a, a thing that Chelsea have that, that are known to have with managers. They they want to get winning and with the financial struggles that every team is going through, they can't afford to sit ninth place and wait and wait to see what happens with the team they have. This team should be rolling much better than they are. They're in they're in the round of sixteen of the Champions League. But either than that other than that, they they scored eight goals and conceded twelve in their last in, in, in their last games. It's just not enough from what Frank Lampard is asking. And again, there's questions of Frank Lampard from his own players, from his own veteran players, that it just seems like the tactics don't match up and there's just the communication is not there with the manager. Yeah, and I think, okay, it's one of those things. I was kind of okay with it. I don't think he was getting the best out of his squad. But it still had me stuck. I knew it was due to happen any week. You know, they haven't been on a good run not really winning any of the big games in the Premier League. But, yeah, no, the second it happened, I had to triple take it, kind of confused, didn't really think Abramovich would play the, would pull the plug. And I think that's with this new trend of club legends becoming managers. Yep. I think this is going to be the issue you have to see where I think, again, Lampard, obviously amazing player at Chelsea. I think people are going to combine the legacies, almost kind of inflate it, and be like, how could Abramovich, uh, how could Abramovich sack Lampard after all they did? Yeah. You they see, all, had, you they see had, all the pictures on Twitter with them, you know, arm in arm, arm after arm. winning the Champions League. Well, did you see what Abramovich did? Abramovich came out and had his own press release, something that he hadn't ha- he hasn't had in almost his entire career. I did not as, see that as an owner. Yeah, he he normally doesn't get into the football politics of things, Roman Abramovich. But this is the first time he said, "We wish Frank Lampard the the best. Mm. We look forward to what he can do in, in in his career." And I think that says a lot about Frank Lampard. Yeah, <laughs> his character and the fact that Roman Abramovich probably didn't want to do it. More a business decision than anything else. He's got a good relationship with him, and if he gave him the tools that he needed, you know that the relationship is there. Well, he's one of the best Premier League players ever, and he's yeah. there for Chelsea. A couple things I want to mention. Mikel Arteta did not have good form with Arsenal at the beginning of the season. They stuck with him. Now they're out of that hole they're in. They're not going to make the Champions League this year, probably, but they're stuck with him. They're, now they're playing better football, and they're looking good. Another thing came across my Twitter feed today. Uh, Lampard's Chelsea record, 84 games. 44 wins, 17 draws, 23 losses. After 84 games at Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp, 3 less wins, 10 more draws, and also 7 less losses. In his next 3 games, he lost to Hull and Leicester. Left them outside of the top 4. They finished 8th at the end of the season. Yeah, I think the only problem with that one is (laughs) that Liverpool team Klopp walked into isn't really comparable to, I think, even... it's obviously not comparable to this season's Chelsea and last season's Chelsea. I'd still favor over that Liverpool side, and I think teams are less patient now. You're never going to have a Sir yep. Alex resigning at a team for how however long he did. And just if yeah, if you get those signings, you're really expected to get results fast. And there is like okay, Real Madrid got Rafa Benitez to replace Ancelotti, which was a horrible decision. They pulled the plug on Rafa Quigsy, then came in won the Champions League. Not that Chelsea's going to do that. Don't make me cry by mentioning Rafa, dude. We can't do this. I thought about that when I was thinking of that. But, no, there is a history to... You can succeed sacking your manager midseason. Some, obviously, some managers pull themselves out of the slump. Ole being top of the table Uh, right now. Another one. Arteta's picked up his form. Still not quite, you know. But I think it'll prove to be a good decision for Chelsea. And, again, if Lampard wasn't a Chelsea club legend... 
I'm not going to say nobody would think it was a, re- a bad decision to sack a manager this early in the season, but I don't think there would be like the sentiment, all the sentiment around it. Do, do you think that if roles were reversed and Timo had scored as many goals as uh, Giroud this season, or Kai had you know the same numbers as Mason Mount, that that the players that Frank Lampard brought in had performed better, yet they were still in the same position? Do you think it would be the same case and he'd be gone? I think it would because this team just plays with no identity, and no matter if you're the players who you're walk who you brought in are firing in form, it's a whole team. And I think the comparison between Arteta and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and and Frank Lampard, I think the difference is is that he had the pl- he has the player he has the backing of his players, whereas Lampard, I think there are just too many I think there are just too many personalities in that Chelsea in that Chelsea roster that don't allow him to just figure things out as they play. Because I think that was the theme of last season with Frank Lampard. He had a young team. He let them play. And as they're, and as they're learning, he's learning it too. Here's one, one other thing. I'll leave you with the last question. Was it too soon to bring him to Chelsea? A couple of examples. Steven Gerrard is out in Scotland, 23 points clear at the top of the table, probably ready to come to Liverpool when Klopp goes. Xavi is still in Abu Dhabi or Saudi Arabia or wherever he is because he has said he's not ready for the Barca job. That's why they brought Kuman in instead. Was it too soon? Remember, Lamp's first job was Derby County, and he didn't get promoted. And then they bring him to Chelsea. Was it too soon? So in normal circumstances, 100% it was too soon. Again, he went to Derby, took a team from 6-6, to (laughs) lost in the finals. He came in. Now, the only reason I'll say the special circumstances around Chelsea were – Look, no one really like. Not even saying he did a bad job. I feel like no one really like took the sorry and got like attached to him as a manager at Chelsea. Which yep. I mean, even like they finished third, won Europa League, and there was never yeah. a doubt in I the thought, final two months. Of the I thought season, sorry was out. just a. I thought sorry was just a big project that they didn't that Chelsea didn't have patience for, and and sorry's projects take time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're it's not a football that you can learn overnight. Not funny enough, I think. Like the signings they had this summer would have been perfect for him. Like I, I think that too team. because I think if it was given time, I think this team would have actually like played. We would have seen a much different Premier League table if Sari was still here. But with again, they they had a bunch of young players, some of which Lampard got to work with at Derby. They needed some squad optimism, so I guess bringing back a club legend can bring that. And they did have a, a decent season last season. Again, they qualified for Champions League, made it to the FA Cup final. Had some unfortunate circumstances in the final to not win it with Pulisic getting injured, Kovacic getting a questionable red card. They were never gonna, they were never gonna be able to play head to head against Bayern. They got blew out both games, but that's not really a knock. But no, I still think, yeah, not quite as proven. Not getting the most out of his signings. To go back to your earlier question, if Havertz and Werner were thriving right now and they were still in the spot, they, I think they would have been a lot more optimistic about him and just. I mean, Abramovich has to back his investments. They spent a lot on yep. Havertz, a good amount on Werner. Pull, yep. And didn't work out. And they still... But is that on the player or is that on the coach? I don't think Lampard's putting them in positions to succeed. For a while, he had Werner playing out wide. And he's while he can play off of a striker, he's not a touchline player. And Havertz... One of Havertz's best attributes is scoring. But I feel like Lampard tried converting him into a deep-lying eight and really trying to change up his whole system. And that, he's still very young. Yeah, too. that that too. I mean, he needs time to adapt. I've I'm a bit of a Havertz apologist. How much I've time? Previous, halfway through the season. That's so. Here's the thing: his last two years at Leverkusen, he had okay, 18, 19, six goals at the halfway point, finished with seventeen. 
the second season, I think he had two goals, one assist, finished the season with 12 and 6. Mm. So he's a bit of a second half of the season. Oh, and the, adat- the adjustments were it was Peter Bosch's first season. They ended up moving Brandt to midfield, and then Havertz started thriving. The next summer, they lose Brandt. Havertz kind of experiences all around the field. The second half, they have it figured out. He starts thriving again. Ideally, with that formula, you would like it to start starting soon, and I think Tuchel might be able to get it done quick. Last last Lamps question, Luca. One, was it too soon? Two, is it all on Lampard? I think it's all on Lampard. I think this was too big of a job for him, and going in, they went with him this season, knowing the expectations, know that the expectations were much higher than last season, given the budget he was working with. So this is this is I this is honestly on him. You know, okay. as much as I hate to see him go, I really hope he has a, a good career in, in, on his next team. Yeah, where do you see him ending up? I think he might go back to the championship. I saw uh, some, the uh, the Ranks FC podcast at England U twenty ones or U twenty threes, and I was like, you know, maybe he could take the England women's job too. He's good with yeah. young talent. Phil Neville's gone. Okay, moving on, FA Cup. This weekend, the last uh, bit of the, what, fourth round? I don't pay attention once Newcastle's out. and Yeah, fourth round, because we don't get past the third round. Um, the last last match is finishing up right now, bournemouth Crawley Town. Not too many upsets in this round, really. Uh, Tottenham had a scare. Uh, I guess Southampton over Arsenal. The holders are out. Um, help me if I'm missing any. I'm trying to look at him right now. So Wolves barely made it out. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a good game, by the that way. That was a good game. Chorley Town, sixth, sixth tier, right? And then United-Liverpool, the best one of the weekend. We finally got some football from him after that nil-nil. Um, your side out now, Adam. I, your thoughts on that game? Uh, it just... Finally scored. Yeah, Salah scored against the first division side, not the Aston Villa U16s. <laughs> but, no, I said it uh, a week ago or so on the podcast. I was concerned Liverpool was going to end the season trophyless. The Premier League keeps getting worse and worse, and... This side, without any center backs and moving their best six into the defense, it just, they're not, they can't go up against these top offenses. And I got to admit, so I didn't fully watch the game. Dortmund has me in a little bit of depression, so. That's understandable. It's football playoff season, so Welcome I kind of. to my life. I kind of had to, you know, center my life around football until the playoffs are over. I'm still obviously watching Dortmund, but after I see them lose early Saturday morning or Friday, Dortmund lost last Friday. I think this game was on a Sunday. You know, it really ruins the soccer for the weekend. I didn't watch majority soccer just of this ruins game. your weekend all the time. No, it does, it does. every week. Oh, loses, yes, it does. Dortmund loses at 9:30. I'm snappy for the rest of the day. Always mm-hmm. pissed. Good luck, man. That's why it's always nice to have the the Monday game. Since it's gone. I guess, it, you know, if it teeters over into your week, then it's not great. But then uh, you can enjoy your weekend at least. Yeah. One of the, I mean, at least I Champions guess the, League gets you happy on the on the actual week. I guess at least if you lose on a Friday afternoon, I don't have to wake up at Saturday morning, 9.30, watch them get disappointed, ruin the day. But no, back to, back to the main topic. I think Liverpool will get better once, again. Should they pull a trigger on a center back? I saw. Yes. I was reading reports. Should they just pull the trigger on Sarabac? Because their Why? kid. What's stopping them? Look, the kid that was playing there, Reese Williams, he played a very good game, but those two crucial mistakes cost them the game. And yeah. at that point, you can't you can't just keep relying on the kids and this for, and the form that they're in. You just can't keep trust. I don't know if, how much you're going to keep trusting your kids. And it's just tough because you have to. Okay, they're out of the FA Cup. They're out of the League Cup. 
Can they still win the Premier League? It's possible, I yes. guess. But yes, it's, it's, yeah, it's, very, it's, it's very, very, very well in reach. It's very well in reach. Yes. You have to. I guess what the worry would be is you have to hit on the signing. Like you can't. He can't be a flop. And if you go trophyless, and this guy's not going to start for you down the run, you know, if that short-term signing doesn't work out, especially with Liverpool spending issues, like if this was a city, I would say instantly like splash. But I don't. I mean, yeah, I know. I would want them to sign him. I don't think they will though. I think they're just. I mean, what are we now? January twenty sixth, yeah. and they're linked with no one. I don't know who's falling out of there. I mean, no, there's a lot of third string center backs they could get, but just from what we're hearing, I would be surprised if it happened. Um, what about Hendo missing that game? What do you think of his absence impacting that game? I mean, well, you don't get the Reese Williams mistakes, but he's been playing center back anyways if he's healthy, and. Again, I didn't watch the game fully closely enough to notice, as I just mentioned my dormant depression. But the six, the two sixes at the back combo has not been too solid. It just there's a lot that has to go right for Liverpool now. It's hard to like, you know narrow down why a loss happened. Who do we see winning that FA Cup right now? City, Chelsea, Spurs, United, an outside force. Leicester maybe could Leicester make a run, possibly Chelsea if Tuchel gets things running. I don't know. Leicester's got a potential title run and Europa League to worry about, so yeah. I don't know if they would uh, if they'll get upset one of these rounds. I honestly think they wouldn't mind it. They, c- I think they could. I mean, they've shown this season, but they can take on anyone besides Liverpool, and they're out. And I wouldn't be surprised if they beat the yeah. crippled Liverpool team next time, but. How so? How long can they go in three competitions, though? Leicester. Yeah, I mean, if they're if they're still challenging at the top, if they go far in the FA Cup, and if they keep going in the Europa League, yeah, because you need a hel- what, you need yeah. a healthy deep team to go for a run of three competitions and, at, try, yeah. and try to survive in all three. Yeah, that's one of the, at what point does the fatigue start setting in and results dipping? And if you have a quarterfinal draw and then United on the weekend in the league, I think you yes. rest the draw. So I think the FA Cup is where you'd see the slip come. I mean, it's not like I fully expect them to win the league, but I think they're going to make a much better run at it this year. So I think, yeah, I think they're going to have to... And they'd benefit of a nice financial boost in ending up high in the league. Yeah, and Europa's a nice insurance to try and get Champions League if you manage to slip your way out of the top four. And with two legs, it's a little harder to get upset. Which, who knows who's going to finish top four right now? Yeah, no, I There's eight to ten teams that could really do it. Here's my question is, if you're Brennan Rodgers, what's your priority? I think your priority is to stay as high in the league as possible. Like again, I really think. in two in two tournaments while you've got the FA Cup going on and Europa League, and you have a legit shot at possibly winning one of them. I think you. I think you just prioritize the league, and if you can get a good, if you can get a, a lucky draw in the next round of the FA Cup, and then you can keep in it, and then you can win that game, then yeah, you go for the FA Cup because you're close enough. Just go for it. But again, don't don't prior don't prioritize everything else above the league. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, well, okay. Here's my thoughts. I, I, I think it's tough. I don't think Leicester's gonna win the league. So, what, what's the next move? I, I don't know if it's FA Cup, Europa League. There's still a long way to go I, in both. Is the problem? I think you take Europa. I think Europa's tough too. There Europa's, are a lot of tough teams in you, there. There's tough draws in there, but I also just think you're gonna take a serious draw against. Okay, well, United's in there. It's, who's 
whoever you get in there, whether it's like a Leverkusen or whoever, you're going to take that. The cross-continental draws, I think, is what kind of Leicester will... Brendan Rodgers might really want to see his squad compete in those. And at this point, again, like Leicester keeps getting results against the big sides in England. Yep. Wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if they could do it in Europe. And I would be... Yeah, it would be nice to see them make a run in there. Again, you had their little Champions League run in 2017, beating Sevilla, coming close against Atletico. They've showed they can compete. It's and, definitely doable. They have Slavia Prague and I, next. And can not, they win the league, though? I don't think so. I just think... They're three points off first. No, I... Look, them and United are both in the mix right now, but like, I have a hard time believing City's not going to take this league. The way they've spun back into form... The fact that they still have the best, the most talented squad. I do believe they play the best football in the league, too. If they can get through this, they actually have a tough February schedule. It's probably the worst time KDB could have got injured. It is. But if they can survive without De Bruyne, they've shown they can close the league on an 18-match, whatever, win streak in 18-19. PCST for Adam. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And this... uh, this defense doesn't give up goals. Five consecutive clean sheets in the Premier League. Five consecutive. And that, yeah, Stones and That's Diaz just doesn't. That is very impressive. They don't let up. Cancelo's looking amazing. And at some point, Aguero has to come back. I, I, <laughs> I hope think. so. I hope Eventually. so. Eventually. It's turning and, into an old man, yeah, though. I, I felt like Aguero already left the league. And Jesus has honest. to get his confidence back up eventually. I swear, there was he subbed in against Aston Villa. And I don't think I've ever seen a striker take some chances as poorly as a striker as good as him take chances as poorly mm. as he did. But, he's, not a cl- he's not a clinical finisher. He's just a very clever guy around the box. Yeah, no, he's never been clinical, but I swear he was kicking the ball into the ground. <laughs> kind of had an. O- there were two times Gunduin and Jesus had like an open goal in the span of five minutes. Neither of them shot it on target. It's like it's I swear t- he only scores against like the bottom teams in the Champions League group stage. That is where he comes alive the most. <laughs> That's where he backs his hat-trick. <laughs> I didn't even notice a, that. He's due for a group stage hat-trick every year. Yeah, he needs to. Especially it. considering they get checked out yeah. every year. Rest Aguero put whoever in Whoever this. Yeah, Shakhtar and Krasnodar. And a bunch of Wi-Fi pa- Olympiacos. Yeah, the Wi-Fi passwords. <laughs> for the record, Jarrett Mackey says, Brennan Rogers, biggest choker in world football. No cap. Shout out, Bern- Shout out Bern- <laughs> Jarrett Mackey, man. Sam Britton says, Europa and Prem should be main priorities. Also, Sam says, City's going to win the league, but top four is possible for Leicester. Well, Leicester have Everton, Leeds, Fulham next. That so it's a, it's very favorable. Yeah, it's so a nice you, you have to beat Leeds and Fulham, and Everton's uh, it's a winnable tie. But it ha- definitely is. Hamas is coming back into form. Great to see, and it's can never. If you have the managerial advantage, which I give Carlo over Brendan Rodgers, I think you uh, it always kind of evens out the battle. Um, that's all I have for FA Cup, and I want to circle back real quick before we get into um. Rant segment, which is going to be good, by the way. If, if you need to go to the bathroom or something, do it now. Grab your popcorn get because, your snacks, man. yep, it's rant day. But before we get into that, uh, Teuchel coming to Chelsea. I know, Adam, you wanted to go deeper into that. So take it away, my friend. Right. So I think there's two things Tuchel really specializes at. It's getting the most out of his attacking players and managing to fit every single attacking option onto the pitch at the same time and making it work. So you go back to Dortmund. Dortmund was in a little bit of... Klopp's last season didn't go well. They were, you know, 17th at the halfway point, ended 7th, went trophyless. Tuchel comes in, revi- completely revives the squad. 
again, managed to the front four of Aubameyang, Royce, Mkhitaryan, and Kagawa were thriving all season. Just to give their stats real quick. This is Aubameyang's first full season as a striker. He had 39 goals and 12 assists. Royce, very injured, 14-15 season, came in, 23 goals, 8 assists. <laughs> Mikitarian, the most surprising stat line you'll ever hear, 52 games, 23 goals, 32 assists. It's Jeez, what, it's what that, got him. that's a tough season right there, man. It's what got that's him his move to Man United, crazy. and we just never saw the same Mickey ever again. That's insane. The, the Mickey in Rome is not realize. the same. And then wow. Shinji Kagawa, modest compared to everyone else, but at the 10 as the fourth option, 13 goals, 13 assists. And two seasons at Dortmund, I think he lost one or two home games. One of them was against Monaco after Dortmund's bus got bombed and the game got delayed, and Royce didn't even play that game. And I'm not even sure if he lost to Bayern. I'm trying to... No, the two home games against Bayern. He tied one, he won the other. Both years he made it to the German Cup final, lost, unfortunately, to Bayern on penalties, won it the second year. That's the last you know real trophy Dortmund's won in the last two years. And then yeah, you look at PSG... Hard to really praise him for the accolades, but the way he had them playing with man until late in last season, managing to fit Mbappe, Acardi, Neymar, and Di Maria into the same squad, and even when Acardi eventually fell out, Di Maria kept his form in the Champions League. Mbappe and Neymar too, and no, they were up until the final. I'd say Neymar and Mbappe had a little bit of a disappointing game against Bayern, but he finally took PSG to the Champions League final the year before that loss to Man to United had to be. I think the most dominant loss I've ever seen. I said it then. I still haven't seen a game where the teams played that good and somehow managed to lose 3-1. So <laughs> that was more unfortunate than anything I'll say for him. But just seeing, again, how those two teams played and his history in the Bundesliga gives me faith and how he can help revive Havertz and Werner. Like, oh, and at Dortmund, Pulisic. he had... He, he gave uh, Pulisic his debut at he, 17 years old. Yeah, I meant to mention that he gave yeah, Pulisic his debut so he knows what to do with him. What I wonder with that is, actually, Pulisic played both sides there. I don't think we'd see him switch back. But, no, he has history with Pulisic. He's seen players like Roy, uh, like Havertz and Werner. He's had to play against them. It gives me a lot of hope he can, because obviously, look, I'm not a Chelsea fan, but I want Havertz's best interest. And even though my Werner fandom's calmed down heavy recently, I'd, <laughs> I hate seeing him be the meme of the country. But he's still a, he's still a, he's still a top class It'll player. It'll click. He's still a clock, top like, player. He's due for slumps, never this bad. But he's due for like a nine-game run where he scores in every one and then a nine-game nine game run where he scores in none. He's just got to find his best position on the pitch and where he feels more comfortable. Yeah. Right now, he doesn't look comfortable. He uh, Every time I see Werner run with the ball, it's like he takes a nice 90-degree cut towards the wing. <laughs> never towards goal. It's a bit of the same skill move every time. Not, a, not much of like a skill player on the wing. But I think, again... Tuchel converted Aubameyang from a winger to a striker. Usman Dembele. And he had another great winger he had developed under him who hasn't looked the same without him. He gave... He started to move Mbappe from a winger to a striker. So he has experience with that mold of a fast striker. Mbappe more skilled than the other two. He knows how to work with personalities, too. He knows how to work with personalities. The problem is he doesn't know how to work with boardrooms. And I would be very surprised if there's never any tension between yeah, him because and Because Ch- Chelsea and PSG have both have a history of not have, being the most patient people on the planet. The thing is, though, I don't think Abramovich would bring him in, the, one, the way he did. He was already a, literally appointed before Frank was sacked. 
and, and the fact that he, he brought him in to fix stuff. So it's not like, you know, he's the only guy in the market right now. He brought him in because that's who he wanted. And I bet you he has the right ideas to get this team on track, too. How, how quick do you think it goes? How quick are you expecting them to turn around? Tuchel's a quick worker. Five yeah. games? Five games we're going to see him in good form? They're ready. They'll be ready for Atletico, I think, for sure. So it, Less than a month? Is a, at most a month from now. Yeah. And I think, no, you look at, granted, he had a full preseason. But that first season at Dortmund, they came out to a, to a dominant five-game winning streak to start the season with a bunch of big wins. And what derailed it was, again, Royce came out, getting him back into the squad, had a little bit of, you know, he had to mess with it a little. But no, they looked great instantly. Like I wouldn't be surprised if it happens again. If sorry, go oh, ahead. No, I just think again. Tuchel has a bit of like a mad scientist vibe to him. I feel like he knows <laughs> he exactly. Looks like it too. He knows he exactly what like, he wants. Put a lab to do coat with, on him. He's scary. <laughs> he knows exactly what he wants to do with Havertz and Werner and Pulisic already. What about Ziyech Rudiger? Does he bring Rudiger back to form? Also, who's the starting keeper? Ooh, I think it has to be Mendy. You have to protect. I think I think well, you keep Mendy. I was gonna say you have to protect your investments, but Kepa costed what? <laughs> Kepa is the most expensive investment in the world. Investment, and it, it'll stay Mendy, even though I mean his early season forms obviously dipped. I don't, I don't know as what to do with the defense, but even I'm going back to that Dortmund season. You know, Gundogan and Bender were the natural. Gundogan and Weigel, his favorite player in the world, uh, were the starters, and. They went undefeated with Gundogan missing time with injury. So he knows how to fill in with the midfield. He'll do anything with the defense. Another random stat from that season. Mateus Ginter was Dortmund's backup center back. He actually had to play a lot that season. He ended the year with 10 assists. <laughs> wow. Don't see that often. Never. And four goals. But, I mean, they're all set pieces, I'm pretty sure. But 10 assists for a center back, that's pretty impressive. Something. So, no, I think it'll click It'll quick, click fast. And I don't think there's any questions on what lineup he wants to play. If they go trophyless and finish outside the top four, do you keep him around next season? Absolutely. You have to give him time, if he's, especially if he's coming in next season, unless he completely For going by precedent and the way they canned Frank, I think he's gone. I don't know, because you're obviously sticking to his project and what he can do. I mean, unless you have a better manager that can just come in immediately in the summer. I don't think they don't stick to projects at Chelsea. No, but this one is just such a... Like, you're signing him at the end of January. You'll give him a, a full preseason to see how he gets it. And especially if those new signings are up to form, going back to, again, your earlier, what you asked about if Lampard's position would be different. If Havertz and Werner end the season as clear stars, there's no way they'll sack him. They'll just try to figure out whatever whatever went wrong. And as long as they're not fighting, which kind of costed him two other jobs, I think he'll be good. Okay. Chelsea, in a weird purgatory right now. Let's see uh, how they get out of it and what Toitel can do. All right, rant time. I'm excited. It's time. I don't want to go first, though. Adam, look, you guys rock, paper, scissors for it. I don't want to – I I don't know. Are we all just complaining about our teams? Yeah. I'll go first. Yeah, go, Liverpool's go, in free go fall. Yeah, Liverpool and go ahead, Adam. Okay. See, again, Dortmund's been so – and you guys know my – Preseason expectations for Dortmund. I really, th- yeah, and not again, just Liverpool. Dortmund struggling right now too. Showing they have weaknesses, and Dortmund just refuses to capitalize. Yep. And then this weekend, I think okay, Dortmund lost to Gladbach, ending like an eleven game win streak against them. I hated to see. It. I, I love those random win streaks against other top four, top five teams. It's really reassuring. <laughs> but, and they lost, and then Leverkusen lost, and Leipzig lost. 
So the whole league is kind of just giving Bayern the early title. It's frustrating. Again, Dortmund loses. I don't really watch the sport for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> Dortmund has no reason to be losing these Boycott. games. They have Augsburg next, huh? They, oh, they lost to Augsburg in the first game. This, uh, I think they'll win it, though. Wasn't that one like 5-1? Was that that one? No, was that, that, was, a different one? that was Stuttgart like a month ago. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. last game. Uh, Augsburg was the second game of the season. Mm. But, you know, they lost 2-0. Look, Dortmund has no excuse to be losing. They're... Berkey can't hold the ball to save his life or really make saves. I, it's a problem. That's crazy because on, on FIFA, Berkey is an absolute beast. <laughs> Especially considering Bayern's goalie is the best goalie in the world. Facts. Possibly the best goalie ever. And we have Berkey bouncing free kicks back into the six yard. But like, okay, if you're not going to hold it, at least punch it. Dortmund's, run, Dortmund's defense don't track runners. If Dortmund, have, if Dortmund concede a set piece, they're going to concede a goal. The game against Gladbach, a free kick whipped in header. A free kick parried by Berkey right into the middle of the goal, scored, and a corner to make it 4-2. Four of the two. Four of the two. That's the score. Three of the four (laughs) goals. I can't think straight. (laughs) Man, and I think they need to go back to three at the back because this back two isn't working. Guerrero, for all his offensive brilliance, isn't a defender. And I saw uh, someone tweeted. It's like, yeah, you really have to zoom all the way out on these – on these counterattacks, I notice where Guerrero is every time Dortmund concedes. And then I realized they all actually go to where he should be, but it's just a gaping hole in the midfield, and the center back got pulled out of it, whether it be a rash decision or not by them. And it just, no, I think they need, well, I mean, Zagadou getting injured again and again and again this season doesn't help anything. But every time it looks like, oh, no, this four at the back system is a new way for Dortmund. They can't go back to three. They mess up. They lost to Leverkusen and Gladbach in back-to-back games. They're not even... They're, Dortmund's in seventh. I saw they had a chance to do that. I refused to watch for the rest of the weekend. I just... I didn't even want to find out. I saw the table on accident. There needs to be change. And I think the most frustrating thing is Dortmund has to work so hard to score. They do their, you know, their one-touch, six-yard pass build to play in the opponent's box for like 30 straight minutes. The other team gets a counter. It's 1-0. Finally, Dortmund ties it up. The other team gets a corner. It's 2-1. <laughs> it's... It, it's annoying, and as clinical as Holland can be, I guess he's always... No, I, I, yeah, Holland's the only guaranteed scorer, and he can fade out of games. Sancho's, again, he's got his his touch. Like, again, Dortmund's wingers have never been clinical, but at a time where the defense is giving up everything, it's showing a lot louder than it used to. Is Gio Reyna still playing? Gio Reyna got sick and injured back-to-back, I think, or whatever. I haven't heard his name in a while. Yeah, no, Reyna calmed down heavy. And another one of my complaints is for a long time, I felt like Reyna was bench- was unbenchable. And, like, look, I know he's, what, 17, 18, very talented, going to be amazing in the future. And I got nothing but love for Dortmund's players, but I hated how he was starting over Brandt every game. And I really felt like the main reason we weren't switching back to a 3-4-3 is because he wanted to fit Reyna in with Royce and Sancho and obviously Holland. So Reyna can't play eight, Brandt can but if he's there, you got to play four, two, three, one, fiddle of them in. And I just think it's all been for the everything accumulated to Dortmund being in seventh place, having no chance at the title. And I just need them to be in good form by Sevilla. Nothing's going to – making the semifinal and seeing what happens from there is the only thing that can save – actually, they're still in the cup. It's some of the only things that can save the season. Actually, Bayern's out of the cup too. Dortmund better win the cup. That nothing but the title will be acceptable on that one. And I think knowing Bayern's out should really, I don't want to say encourage, it'll motivate them. It's on like, a silver platter. Yeah, granted, Vader Bremen's a team 
uh, impact alum Julian Mitchell's team. Yeah, that's uh, true. The, Shout out. <laughs> they're the one that took Dortmund out the last two seasons. But I think now knowing like it's going to take an upset for Dortmund not to win the cup. Besides, I mean, maybe they get Leipzig or someone in the final and it's a bit of a toss-up. But you still favor Dortmund in those kind of games. I think they need to look towards those now. The league's unfortunately out of picture. They, Fi- to... they need to finally capitalize on things that Bayern is handing them. Yeah, that's the yeah, no. Oof, man, Dortmund's probably going to lose to the same second division side Bayern lost to. <laughs> oh, <geez>. That'd be <laughs> funny. I'll cry if that one happens. Germany will crumble. You've hit, okay, you've hit your Dortmund. Now uh, the, the other club you support that's struggling right now, Liverpool. <sighs> Liverpool Hit him is... a double whammy. No, it is. I don't even have my, like... My boost in the weekends when <laughs> you know when everyone's healthy in Liverpool, and I know if Dortmund loses a stressful game, Liverpool's going to score one in the tenth minute and never look like conceding. But again, Liverpool's is just explainable. I don't know. Well, no, the front three was due, I guess, after three years to all slump at the same time. But you know, it's going on a little longer than hoping than hoped. I, what the longest run under Klopp without a league goal? Four games. Yeah, that was a tough stretch in December. They got a. They, okay, obviously Van Dyke's absence makes a, a huge impact on more than one end. You yes. know, again, you take Fabinho out of the midfield so he can't work there. You lose Van Dyke's passing forward, and you don't have as much stability defensively. You don't necessarily yeah. in the midfield. Yeah, I don't know if they're losing his passing forward too much because they're playing center mids at center back. That yeah, that is a thing. But I think also just having counterattacks go into Liverpool's final third that with normal lineup wouldn't make it past half. Is limiting their attacks. Thiago, as I've said earlier, I haven't watched Liverpool closely recently, so I I heard bad things about his game against United. I'm not going to comment on any of that just because, I mean, United fans on Twitter could be very reactionary. I think he'll come, he'll 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 pan out well. I'm never going to doubt that. Kind of win the Ballon d'Or one day. I just I don't understand. He's a good player. He's world class. Liverpool supporters talk about him like he's the Messiah. Yeah, like, Here's like he's Maldini. He they, put, they, put, they put him ahead of Maldini, I bet. He left Bayern as the informed midfielder in the world. Whether you want to say he was the best or not, I'll leave it to you. I I would give it to he him wasn't. at the time. No, he wasn't. At the time, I'd give it to him. No. The way he was playing nope. in that treble run, especially in the I don't, Champions I don't League, know, man. Nope. I think he got I think robbed. He, I, think of... he, I think just because he doesn't put up a lot of numbers, he gets overshadowed by other midfielders. But even when you look at him play, I just think he's he's still not the top midfielder. He's world class. Well, number, he is world class. Numbers are never going to be. His, but like, okay, you look at. Don't want to branch all the way back to Bundesliga again, but I, guess, I think I have to. You look at how Bayern played last season versus how Bayern played this season. Look, Thiago never lost the ball. He could go deep. He could go up. And now you're seeing just look. Bayern lost him, and that makeshift back line they put together with Oliva at center back and. Davies playing sweeper right back. But they've had, lining up they've as had right Alaba wing. playing uh, center back for a while now. Yeah, no, I'm saying, like, you take Thiago out of the lineup and those defensive liabilities, like the, the ones I just mentioned, they really start to get noticed when you're yeah. turning the yeah. ball over in midfield more. Yeah, he's Thiago's been, he, not Thiago was at the club for, for a very long time, too. You, that impact has to be felt. Yeah, and just... He was an in-and-out starter all the time. Like, you look at him against PSG, never phased. He was picking the ball up deepest on the team. Never shook. Can he doesn't make, lose the ball much yeah, during games. He doesn't lose the ball. He can make any pass in the world. He's like, he's not a scorer or a sister, but that's never been his role with how deep he's played. He's the engine. He's the engine, and he'll he'll work out. It just, again, it it hurts when 
you don't have a preseason and what your second game for the club, Richarlison goes cleats up into your shin and puts you out for what, three months? Yeah. yeah that was brutal. And the fact that the the midfielders you'd usually be playing with are playing center back now. So I think all the Tiago hype is justified. I don't know if Liverpool fans on Twitter have seen him play because, you know, they clearly don't show much appreciation for the Bundesliga until their players come to the country. It's facts. So, like Bobby. They didn't appreciate Bobby until he started balling out in the Prem. I mean, KDB was a waste of money if you look back at all the reports when City bought mm-hmm. him from Wolfsburg and now he's the best midfielder in the world. But no, I think Thiago will pan out. The front three will start scoring again. If I had to bet money on them winning a trophy this year, I wouldn't. I think, I think it's more likely than not they don't win the league. And look, going through Champions League with Reese Williams starting center back, like all of a sudden Leipzig's not a guaranteed win anymore. And who knows who they'll get after that. So no, there's not much. There's not much optimism, but like this, how low it is right now isn't going to keep up. I feel like I ran in circles there saying it was going to pan out, but they also aren't going to win a trophy and repeating. But no, it's 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 a tough season. It's for the both. life of a Liverpool fan. On the bright side, my boys from Villa beat Newcastle this weekend. Shut up, dude. <laughs> the boys. I, Sir Jackie. Mackie says Liverpool getting slapped up on Thursday. Oh, no, if there's think, one yeah, thing, that, that is actually no matter happening. how bad, because my friends are Jose fans, so, you know, they took their allegiances to Spurs. The one yeah. thing I was always confident about this season is that Liverpool was 100% going to beat Spurs at Anfield, and I'm still confident they're not losing. I can't fully say they're going to win at uh, they're going to win at Spurs, but I'd be shocked if Tottenham beat them. I think you're going to... Segway into Luka. Yeah, perfect. Also, Jared also said, nothing to complain about for Luka Spurs flying. Yes, absolutely. And Don Bele, Jarrett Mackey knows, and Don Bele is the, the best, best midfielder, midfielder in, in the world. The world. <laughs> Dude is an absolute god machine. That like, goal he scored against well, Southampton, was that who it was? Yeah. And his goal yesterday. His goal yesterday. The was first impressive. touch, the, the cut, touch the no look. Zidane. Did you catch the no look? That, that was a no look right there. It's impressive. Unbelievable. Tottenham. Tottenham are finding themselves again. They had a slump. Never in doubt against Wickham, was it? No, never, never. in doubt. Never. Yeah, and, and I looked at the lineup. I didn't even watch. I barely watched the game. I looked at the lineup and I said, "Okay, even if they slip up, it's they're going to be in, in a decent shape." You know. Question. Quick question: Is Gareth Bale flop? He hasn't, he hasn't, gonna answer this. He hasn't done anything. No, because he hasn't he would, done anything. But that's that was his role too. They didn't. They didn't expect him to get in. They no, bring no. in a guy and tell him don't do anything. Say, what do you mean? No, I just didn't think he's going to come in and just be a complete star and start in and out. I think he knew his role coming into the team because Jose ha- jo- Jose and and Gareth Bale don't look eye to eye all the time, and that's why I think he doesn't play him in some late games. He doesn't sub him. He just refuses mm. to sub him in. He puts in Lucas Mora or he puts in Carlos Vinicius, just because I think Gareth Bale just just doesn't fit the system that, that Mourinho wants to, but he's still Gareth Bale. He's still going to produce something. No, okay. but what I was just going to say, just so I don't leave my answer as one word, uh, he's not a flop because nothing should have been expected from him after that Real Madrid season. Yeah. That was he's, Yeah, he's getting up there too, age-wise. What is he, 33? No, he's, no, he's getting up there, 31, 32, possibly. If you're asking if he's a good signing, definitely not. <laughs> no. What, uh, what at the, what's the Milan score looking like over there? Oh, um, there was actually a penalty by Inter while Adam was in his real little rant. It is now one-one after a VAR controversy. Apparently, I've we not half? looked into We're, it. Are we at second half? We, yeah, we are set late into the second half. Twenty, probably like fifteen minutes left. Lukaku okay. took it. 
Huh? Lukaku took it. I'm I'm certain. I didn't I didn't get a chance to check, but it's always gonna be Lukaku. It's one of those you see them going a var. You look away for a sec. Next thing you know, the game's tied. Yeah. Well, yep. will we build? We'll, we'll be having extra time oh. if this goes into Wait. into one one. Breaking did, news over there, Ed. No, did you mention Ibra's red card? Ibra, I did not. I he saw got a red, sent off. He got I, sent off in the 58th. Lukaku equalized. In I, the I saw. I saw a red card, but again, I didn't get the name on my notifications. I'm not checking my phone right now just for the stress. But dear Lord, that was heartbreaking. What do you think he got sent off for? Well, probably something real, real stupid. Probably like a studs good hit, into the chest. Good hit no, in no. the back. It, it was two yellows. I was gonna say a big two cur- studs in chest. <laughs> Two studs and ankles. Yeah. You got to be calmer for oh, a What yellow. a man. He's 39 and he's still rolling goals. He scored one today. He is impressive. I, the, at the weekend against Atalanta when he was trash talking Zapata and that, then proceeded to lose 3 0, wasn't he, so impressive. Uh, uh, you know what? They, they deserved that. I, I saw the Martin Darun uh, Twitter, Twitter thing. I wasn't too happy with it, but at the same time, that's what you get for talking smack, you know? Unfortunately. I was, just, I was just reading up on it. Said it's perhaps controversial. Kolarov might have clipped his own ankle, and Ibra got given a yellow for it. <laughs> of course, it's always Kolarov. Do you do you see any uh, substance or lingering effects from the Atalanta game? Um. Well, Milan, still top of the table. Well, Milan has been dealing with injury and COVID problems for the last five games. They didn't have Reb. They didn't have Rebic for the last three games. They still don't have him today. I, th- I believe he was might have been on the bench. I don't even know if he's playing. He subbed in. He subbed in. Okay. For Diaz. For Diaz. It seems reasonable. But again, that that then that's his first game back in a while. Ebro's also been out. Again, in in defense, they don't have they have Romagnoli and Kier. Kier also just left injured today. He was beat up in the last game against Atalanta. Uh, Pierre Kalulu, great player, great young guy. He's been getting a lot of minutes recently, but again, injured. Donnarumma and Chanolu were not available today, and apart from that, you know, Milan just hang in there. I think they have a good fighting spirit, more than one I've seen in the last ten years. But apart from that, their next games it's going to be Bologna, Crotone, and Spezia. Very good game. WWW. At least it should be. Spezia did have a tough, a tough game against against Roma. They only it was a four three game Roma Spezia Roma just barely pulled away, barely pulled through. As for Inter, uh, they beat Juve two 0 but they could not find a win against Udinese, which again goes back to the Conte. He's he's Conte sometimes wins, sometimes he doesn't. So still in the cup as of right now, still in the cup, still a good chance of the title. Do you what would be successful season if you could lay it out for Inter? Yeah, yeah. For Inter, I think winning the cup, the Italian Cup, is definitely in. They had a tough time in the Champions League, so and and they're still they're still in position to win this league. And I honestly, if if Milan don't win it, I I would want Inter to win it. Unfortunately, because I don't want to huh? see I don't want to see Juve win it again. To be completely honest, really, that's but because, that's because, Inter, because Inter also plays really good football. You know, when I'm looking at it through the, not the eyes of a complete Milan fan, well, you have Inter, to. I have. <laughs> that's to. what you are. Yeah, I, I am, but at the, at the same time, I gotta be a little bit fair. I gotta be a little fair to them. You know, they do play no. really well, and they do have a Don't good team. Don't be fair. Don't Whoa. be fair. Use your heart. Does Does Milan and AC Milan and Juve have a name for the rivalry, or is it just like a for wh- one? for which one? AC Milan and Juve is that like a That's, titled uh, rivalry, or is that just kind I, of like I don't know. You two saw, best teams. I, I've heard it called Derby d'Italia sometimes, but sometimes that's interchangeable with Juve and Inter, Juve Milan, and also Roma Milan. Sometimes they get changed up. 
they don't really have. I don't think they have a really specific name. Because uh, I know Inner and Uve, I feel like are like a f- f- from my outside understanding rivals, rivals, and then yeah, because um, yeah, historically they have a huge rivalry. Yeah. No, it's one of those well, tough ones where it's like you want to see the dynasty get broken, but like for me, if Bayern's not going to win the league, do I really want it to be anyone besides Dortmund that breaks it? And it's a tough one. It it is a tough, but sometimes you have to give it to teams. Uh, as for Juve, um, they they're actually the best defensive team in the league somehow because when I see them, they just look shaky all the time. Weston McKenney to the rescue again mm-hmm. scored. What a man. American in Europe. Yep, got to represent. He's finding his feet. He's playing well. Yeah, he's become Pirlo's go-to man in a lot of games. And their next games will be Sampdoria, Roma, and Napoli. Napoli will be a fixture to watch. Yeah, my Mexican in Europe, uh, Chucky Lozano, has been lighting Chucky. it up this season. I love that he's signing. So fast. I hated a uh, Great player. Not I hated. I, great World it, Cup. It was sad how lackluster his opening season was. But great to see how this one's been going. Well, he was under a different manager when he was signed. Yeah. I think Gattuso is a great manager. Yeah, he was doubted at first, but he's he's really panned out. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I, if, I was sad when he left Milan. If, yeah. I want to make sure you guys are all good before I go. I'm just checking. I pre- I prepared myself emotionally. Have you? past 24 hours. Are you sure? <laughs> are you sure? I'm ready. Adam, tie your shoes. Tighten the tie. Did you get your drink of water before you go? Well, it's empty, but we'll take it. And now we're prepared. I don't even want to talk first. I want to let someone else talk first. I saw this on the timeline, and I echo just about everything that's said. So here you go. Here's a minute clip. I think they've changed systems eight times. His selection leaves a bit to be desired. They're basically rubbish to watch. They don't score goals. They don't uh, defend their own goal. So there's nothing to love about this Newcastle side. And when you say to a press conference, I'm not allowing questions from newspaper journalists. That's the beginning of the end. He's basically saying, don't ask me questions because I can't answer them. Mm. I think that's really, really poor, really weak management. I don't want to say this about Steve Bruce because he seems like a lovely guy. I don't really know him. He he seems like a lovely guy. But please, why aren't you taking questions? What on earth is wrong with you? you, The fans deserve answers. So this is your only way to get through to them. By the way, how lucky is Steve Bruce? They haven't had fans at Newcastle this season. An underrated point. He is such a lucky man that there are not fans in St. James's how is he still or in away grounds. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and they're planning, well, from what I've seen, is they're planning on sticking with him at least till the end of the season. <laughs> and I saw yeah. a great analogy on Twitter good, yesterday. Good luck, my man. That's like going number two in your pants at lunch. And not changing until five yeah. thirty. When Gil when Gilmore came in the studio, he was fired up. Didn't even say anything. He was just angry. You I, see I it. just I'm I'm sick of it. It it gets old. I'm done. I I have I I really I understand. I support Newcastle, and we're not challenging for titles. We're not really challenging for trophies ever. That's fine. Why can't we? You know why? Why is it so much to ask that we play attractive football, attacking football, something that you would want to come to a stadium and watch? I don't think that's too much to ask. But Steve Bruce wants to go out in a five-four-one every game against. Today it was against Leeds, who haven't scored in three games, and we're gonna set up in a five-four-one. We've got two players in the middle of the park, and Shelby and Hendrick, that are just about immobile, don't track back, and Callum Wilson standing thirty-five yards away from everyone, wondering why he didn't sign for Aston Villa. It's just, it, it gets so old, man. And I'm I, I have never gotten to the point with this with this side where 
I feel like I need to not watch the games because it's going to cause me pain and stress, and I already know what's going to happen. We're going to lose. They could have at least renewed Yedlin's visa. Too. That, that's a whole, that just tells you about where we're at as a club right now. No, no wins in 11 in all competitions. Today was the first time we've scored in like four or five games. We've scored twice in the last nine, I think. If you look at the form table of the Premier League, in the last 10 games, there's only one side that's worse than us. It's Sheffield United. Guess who their one win is against? Oh, yeah, Newcastle. I, it's so old, man. I, Steve Bruce, and, and that's another problem, too. It's not just the way he sets us up. It's the way he, he deals with stuff after the game. One thing that just annoys me, just because I'm a student journalist, he never lets the reporter finish his question in postgame. Never. Never. That's never. Ho- that's horrible. Because never. Because he, he, he has a duty to, to be with the media and be respectful to the media. Yes. And, and this week, because there, there was a protest outside of the ground after we lost to Aston Villa, and uh, reporters went and covered it, as reporters do. And then he said... We're not taking questions from newspaper journalists in the press conference. He took four questions from television journalists and left. That, you know, I understand he's not the head of a country. That is when you realize that you are under a dictatorship and someone that wants to, you know, suppress the press. That's not a good sign at all. Another thing that got me going, that pissed me right off, was Aston Villa. This is a team that stayed up last year. Because the Hawkeye goal decision system missed a, a goal, what was it, four that, that went in against them, right? Yeah, Sheffield, the guy caught it. it was yeah, and it was the way over back. the line. And, and that's all the only the reason, only reason they stayed up. Now they are a team that is firmly planted in the top half with two games in hand, playing attractive football. They brought in players that are good. And in and, and stark contrast, Newcastle is falling into the relegation battle they're firmly in the relegation battle and, and the players we brought Callum Wilson I feel so bad for the man he, he's been our best player all season works his butt off every single game and gets goals when he can you know he's got what eight in this season yeah, I can't dude, even he, believe he's he got works eight. to get some goals man. he does he works and the after shift. the game Steve Bruce his thoughts are reminder New, Aston Villa who should not have stayed up last year just beat us handedly, 2-0, we were never in it. Steve Bruce's thoughts are that he was encouraged by flashes. Oh, especially Jesus. the ones he saw in the last 20 minutes when he brought on St. Maxman and Ryan Frazier, who combined for zero key passes, zero chances created, and one shot off target. That is just and he was encouraged by that play. That is the state of my club right now. I am sick. I am tired. I want to support someone else. I won't. I'll stick with Newcastle United when they go to the championship this year. I- I'm just done, dude. I- <sighs> Steve Bruce needs to go. He's not going to go because he hasn't caused any political problems. And um, Mike Ashley, uh, you know, he doesn't have problems with him, so he's going to keep him there. And we're going to go down again. You know what I just remembered? In the summer, we thought Newcastle was getting taken over by billionaire owners. We did. We thought they were. We thought they were going to land Cavani and Gareth Bale, <laughs> and that it would be a little two, three year process. And then you know we'd see Newcastle as we'd you know the PSG of the new or as <laughs> the new Leicester at a minimal. You know perennial, uh, you know top six fighters. I feel like I should feel good after that. I don't. 
Really? Like I like I feel like you know I got something off my chest, I but felt, it's I think it you just, need to it I just think you need to go to, I felt you need a to go to St. James Park. I I'd love to go there and you know write my name on the banners that say you know Bruce out and all that. But just to the the flashes point, <sighs> it's so it's so brutal. Dude. Obviously, I was watching rooting for Aston Villa. One when Aston Villa scored the second, I knew it was game. Newcastle no. was not scoring once, let alone twice. Actually, three points. Two. So yeah, no, I did, I didn't share the sh- thoughts of flashes. I thought the game was done at two 0 No, it was. And I think that's the first time the season Jack Grealish hasn't finished a game. Aston Villa doesn't sub him out. All of a sudden, hey, yeah, yeah, Grealish, get some rest. You're good. Because they didn't need him anymore. Yeah, yeah. 80, yeah, rest eight, up those legs. Eight, 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 eight minutes is enough for today. You know. <laughs> and the, the other thing is too is you know, um, they said it really well in the the pregame show today is we set up the same against Manchester City. And Liverpool and the top six sides, we set up the same way in the games against West Brom and Fulham and Brighton and Sheffield United. And the main objective is to not lose. And that's the football we're playing right now. Here's the thing, too. If that's the football you're going to play, if you're going to sit back and try to defend, you have to be good at sitting back and trying to defend. And you also have to take some criticism from the press, too. Yes. I love Isaac Hayden. He's one of my favorite players. He can't play center back. Both the goals today were big part his fault. He doesn't know how to mark as a center back. He, he I think he's better than John Joe Shelby when he plays at center mid. He doesn't know how to play center back. And, and you, the the goals that we have been scored against us, the goals that have been scored against us recently have been so simple and easy. Leicester's first t- or uh I can't even Leicester's first when we played them was so easy. Leeds today when we played them was was so simple and so easy. If we're going to set up to defend, be good at defending. We're not. And we don't look like scoring goals. Our goal today, it was actually a good sequence of play, but it was because Leeds gave it away in their own half. And we two passes, Almiron still almost missed, but he scored and gave me hope for three minutes. All these losses are blending. You didn't even notice Leicester was six games ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is actually crazy. All I know is that's the last time we scored before today, and it was a Andy Carroll garbage time goal. I... Andy Carroll, the moose. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired of this club Remember, being Andy subpar. Carroll, Andy Carroll was once a top transfer. Yeah, we made some good money on him. Decades, a decade ago. To Liverpool. Thank you, Liverpool. All right, that's enough, Newcastle. Let's go away. Let's let's talk about some happier things. Like Martin Odegaard. Martin. Odegaard. What is the correct pronunciation? Do we know? Actually, not sure. We Odegaard, right? Odegaard. I mean, granted, I've never seen him play under Norwegian commentary, but yeah. but yeah, his loan to Arsenal. Loan to Arsenal, and it's only until the end of the season. Which for good me, move? I, I I thought it was a good move at first because Martin Odegaard is a great player. But then you start looking at the transfer details, and he's going only until the end of the season without a potential buy clause. Well, and and this guy's got a this guy's got this guy recently signed a new contract with Real Madrid probably like a year or two ago, so so his contract was going to be expensive, but why are you pulling a guy on loan that expensive just for a loan for six months? No, if Madrid, it's, it <laughs> does, it doesn't fit the process. And I'm sorry, Adam, go ahead. No, no, you finish, finish, finish. I, I jumped the gun. All right. So and also, if Arsenal is just going to play out the season and let the kids play, Emil Smith Rowe. I don't know if you guys watched him, but I think he's a. I think he was world talent- class against I, I, us. I think he's a. I think he's a talented guy. Yep. I think he shows a lot of confidence. And now you're going to bring Odegaard in, who gets paid a lot of money in Madrid, so he's going to be expected to play if he goes to Arsenal. And you're what? You're just going to boot the ki- the kid who's taking the number ten role right now out of his place. And it doesn't make sense to me if if Odegaard is not a long term 
for it because it's not a long-term project because if Zidane leaves Real Madrid, he's going to want to come back to Real Madrid and try again under a new manager. No, it look, if Madrid added a buyback on Odegaard, fires Zidane, and Perez needs to reconsider what the hell he was thinking doing that. He's the future of Madrid. There was never going to be an option there. I understand what you're saying, and I know there's definitely, like, there's always doubts with a six-month loan. How quickly can you make your impact, and is it going to be worth it, like you said, to bench the new guys? But I think if Arsenal, who, I mean, Arsenal's in Europa League, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. I know they're out of FA Cup. And they play Sociedad, I, I believe. Oh, no, that's Manchester yeah. United. That's Manchester United. United. Oh, it is. That's, that's United. No. I like the signing because I think ultimately if Odegaard pens, look, he's great. You put him in, they have Benfica. So that's a losable game Benfica. if it goes wrong. I don't think you want to put too much responsibility on these young guys. Even again, it's the good experience for them, but you never know. You pet you, you want you ask them to succeed every game. They get in a slump. They have no option but to, you know, either keep starting or you just get away from them. I think it's good to get Odegaard in there. They can one learn from him. Not that he's like an old veteran player, but he's only he's, twenty one, he, twenty two. He's a talent. That's crazy. But we've seen him play since he was sixteen. Yeah, yeah. he was the next Messi. And just Wasn't look at supposed like, to be and how good. I don't know who the specific comparison was, but no. And you saw yeah. how good he was last year. With uh, he Sochi definitely there. has some Zidane in him because he's just a silky player. Yeah, I like the move for Arsenal. I don't like it at all for Madrid. I don't know why. I think Madrid aren't prioritizing their their young kids. It slightly confuses me like, because. Look, what is, what's the point of Ceballos then? Same thing, guy from Madrid, center mid. I know they're not the same, same players, but I, why why keep both of them around? I, I'd take Odegaard over Ceballos every single day of the week. but Yeah, the whole Ceballos situation is weird. I feel like one day he has a master class, the next yeah, month he doesn't play. He can play. be good, he's just not a very physical player. They don't play him that much either. They don't play him that much because he. the, the truth about him is that he doesn't win balls back in the midfield. And if you're just going to have Tomas Partey, in which the last case, they didn't last year they didn't have him, Yeah, he wasn't winning anything back. And Granite Shaka, who is not very mobile. <laughs> the unbenchable Granite Shaka. The unbenchable <laughs> Granite Shaka, the master, the master Xavi. I guess, you know, looking at the lineup, it's going to be Smith-Rowe really directly getting affected by this unless you want to, you know, mess around with the lineup and get Aubameyang into the middle, bench Lacazette, or whoever you want to between Pepe, Lacazette, or Saka, however they want to line up. What about Nicola Pepe? Has he been a successful signing? He scored today. Did he really? Yeah, yeah and uh, Saka, they were up 2-1 at halftime. I like Saka a lot. Also, great player. City's up 5 0 right now? Was yeah. That right? Yeah, I know. I, I was reading up on it earlier. Ooh. Against the big Sam bus. Gunduan 2, Cancelo 1, Mares 1, Sterling 1. Gunduan is somehow just in the scoring most of the time, honestly. Yeah, he's got what? Somehow. Like, he's got to have like 7 and 10 now or something like that. He's, he's been, been scoring line. a lot lately. Yeah. Remember his Dortmund days? He was something there, man. That, uh, that 15 16 season before he, you know, jumped ship early. Any other tra- Papu Gomez gone from Atalanta to Sevilla, Sevilla. Right? for not much. He, yeah. He's been training on his own for like weeks now. Yeah, he has. He just trains at the training ground by himself. He doesn't go anywhere. He doesn't talk to anyone. He's really, nuts on FIFA. Really weird when your captain falls out with the club. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially over yeah. a coach who you've had a successful season individually. Mm. Yeah. No, he's, that... had, he's put up some impressive numbers with mm. Gasparini as coach. Do you think those out of <laughs> so, – yeah, that kind of a team, you know un- – Cinderella story, Champions League run. 
maybe was only towards the quarterfinals, but they look great doing it. You know, you don't expect them to have a, you don't expect them to break up like that and fight. You expect like a Sevilla to come in for a thirty million or plus offer trying to get him off. I don't know. Papa Gomez is on the older side, isn't he? Yeah, he's around thirty three. But like that concept of you know they were supposed to get broken up by other teams wanting them, not you know civil war within. Mm. And he's been at the club for such a long time too. He's become really just a a likable guy. I think he said he's going to have a lot more to say once he leaves or once he retires. I think it was the first one. Though. Sorry, he should write a book. So he's gone. Yeah. Can't wait to read it. It's going to be a sick book. So let him go on some a, some third-party interview. Don't do it to the Sevilla press, but get someone else, leak everything, figure out why let's, that let's happened. Ha- let's have him on here. Let's bring yeah. Papu Gomez on here. Yeah, that, that's our that's our next uh, next guest, no, I think, Papu Gomez. I think my favorite thing from the, like, the Champions League previews is Madrid goes from perennial contenders to, yeah, I think they'll have the edge on uh, Adelana. You know, Papa Gomez is leaving. You know, had he stayed, I'm not quite sure who wins this. And just kind of, not even that, I've never been a Madrid hater, but it's just kind of funny seeing the decline in expectations. Uh, talking about the Spanish teams, Atletico Madrid leading La Liga. Handily, too. Yeah, I don't know. With a game in hand. I don't yes. know what that is. That, and their top goal scorer, Luis Suarez. Every game I've said, yeah, no, Real Madrid's still going to win the league. They're just going to fly. They're going to fall out. But getting rid of Luis Suarez was so stupid. I thought that was the worst move. And, so and, the, dumb. and their president sells Luis Suarez and then just resigns a couple months later. Oh, he just wanted ruins to... the club and then just leaves. Exactly how he drew it up with all the hate he was getting. Yeah, <laughs> my God, he didn't want to leave him in a good place. Eight goals against in eighteen games. That's impressive. That was crazy. That's crazy. Him and Messi, I think, are tied for top goal scorers. Hey, but uh, hot take. Now that Tuchel's there, Chelsea's taking that matchup. You think? I think it's very possible. I want to convince myself. But yeah, no, Atletico I, I in the Champions League is always different from La Liga. Again, they have yeah. they won two games in the group stage. They couldn't beat Bayern's B team. Mm. At home in a game yeah, that seals yeah, advancement. And they played with their whole first team. Yeah, no, again... <laughs> No Lowy, no Neuer, let alone everyone else on the field. I feel like you have to take that home game to go through. How do you not? Well, I, it's interesting now because when they've got a strong grip on the league, you got to put that priority number one for sure. Yeah, but I guess if they have all this room to spare, they can uh, they can drop three points here, three points there. Right. No, two points. Atletico won't. They'll never concede more than one unless it's Madrid. Yeah, it's true. So uh, with, the Yano, with Yano black and gold, my yeah. God. Best keeper in the world. Any other transfers we glossed over? I'm, trying, uh, I'm racking my brain. Dominic Schlobeschlei finally left mm. Salzburg, but that was like December 31st. He had already signed. He's yeah. just been injured, hasn't played yet. That's going to be, if he's in the squad by the time they play Liverpool, that's a big one, especially. I mean, Liverpool's undersized without playing real center backs, so if you get his set pieces in. Igalo left Manchester United. Remember, he came in for a little spell. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> Igalo. And now he's gone. And now he's gone. <laughs> they signed Cavani, and I forgot Igalo existed. Yeah, yeah I did I actually too. forget he completely existed. A good story, not a not a great player. Diallo, though. Diallo has come in, right? Adu Diallo, yeah. yeah. And now you're That's already seeing one. the United fans saying, yeah, why would we sign Sancho if we have this 18-year-old? <laughs> so we'll see if Ed Woodward shares the beliefs in the summer. I think that's it. Transfer. I mean, we still got what? Everything happens. Yeah, no, it's been a quiet event. It's a COVID window, so yeah. Yeah. and plus the teams, all teams are suffering financially. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Uh, one thing we glossed over earlier. This is totally on me. Giuseppe Baroni drafted to the MLS. Congratulations to our Spartan to Montreal, the ninth pick in the third round, sixty third overall. I I hope he makes a team because 
play him playing under Thierry Henry would just be dream scenario, dude. And if unlucky for the injuries, he would have ended up much higher. Yeah, if he went after his junior year, top ten, easily. I think he was the best midfielder in the Big Ten, and one of the best in the country. He should make the team. I mean, unless Henry wants to play eight at the back, but I don't think that's his kind of. Yeah, you just think, never know, just because he's went so late. I think Henri's the kind of coach that can appreciate, you know, a good, a good 10, midfield talent, a good midfield talent that you he know, knows what good on talent ball looks ability. Like. Yeah, I, I just hope for him he doesn't get stuck in USL Championship yeah, or you know bouncing around oh, no, here I and see, there in I the third, t- second or third tier. I I think he makes a roster. Does he crack the rotation this year? Maybe not. Also, we don't know where he's at form wise. Yeah, still you know. We don't know how he's been. He's tra- still, we don't know how he's been training. Right, he could still be working back to full health. But I don't think he would have committed to the draft if he wasn't like sure of his ability and fitness yeah. going into at it. least close or on the way. Because not to say he would have treated MSU like a preseason, but if if he needed another season to get in form, I guess that's what coming back would have been. That's a good point. Um, thank you, Jared Mackey. Luca, does Erickson come back to Spurs? No. He does not make the return. I don't think they. I don't think they want him. I don't think Mourinho wants him. Mourinho didn't even no, want him when he went. If he didn't, if he didn't, didn't even him. leave, he he didn't like. Erickson wanted Erickson wanted to leave, and Mourinho was okay, completely okay with that because Erickson doesn't work in the way that Mourinho wants. He's not. He's not a. He's not a guy who works. Clever guy, amazing passer of the ball, free kick specialist, but he's not, he's not the workhorse in Dumbbelly is. Yeah, I think the thing that hurts I'd that is Erickson kind of isolated, outcasted himself before yep. Mourinho even got there. Mm. So I feel like it was kind of just like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to. Mourinho doesn't okay. suck up to any player, hence why Bale has never started a game. Yeah. Probably not actually a fact, but damn near hasn't played. And Dele so... Alli might leave too. He needs they, to get out. Like, he needs to go somewhere. He, he needs to leave. He needs, he, needs to, he needs to find some form because, you know, poor take guy. Take him. I'll take him. Yeah, you know. No. You know you know what, poor guy. He's had a great start of his, to his career, but lately, when you actually need him to play and actually want to see him perform, he doesn't. Deli Ali falling out of form, but getting linked with PSG because Poch got the job is the biggest sign of falling upwards I've seen since Ronald Coleman got the Barca job. That's true. And That's just, also like, true. And wants to sign Genie when yelled him. <laughs> and the pie make it Netherlands light. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. All right, I think that's it. Wow, long episode. Thank you if you're still here for sticking around with us. I almost had an hour and a half. That was good, though. Good conversation. Great stuff. Went over so much. It's just so good to be back. There's just a lot of football going on. So much to visit. So good to be back. We're excited to do it again. We'll probably be back before the MSU season start, get another episode in. But uh, until then, thanks for joining us. And as always, we hope that you found this episode to be, in the great words of Ray Hudson, magisterial. Join us next time.